everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, alongside my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Uh, the beat goes on. That it does, and it's actually warm here. I'm still in New Jersey visiting family for the week, uh, so I can't wait to fly back to L.A. next week. But we got gifted with some 80-degree weather yesterday and today, so... It's a change than the 50 degrees and rainy weather I've been getting, so I will take it. Yes, you will. Uh, we had uh, a touch of snow Monday night, so there's that for us in Reno. Ah, that's that's not Vegas weather. <laughs> I will say that. Far from it. I think the hottest I've ever been in Vegas, I went to. I went back there in August a few years ago, and I think the high reached 122 or something like that. <laughs> And it's definitely, yeah, without a doubt, I, I could see it getting that hot. Uh, we call that uh, fry the egg on the hood of your car weather. Yeah, and it's not too bad. I mean, with Vegas, I'm usually in the sports books for the majority of the time or at the craps tables. So as long as I'm in AC, I'm like, I don't really care what it's like outside. <laughs> Great games both. Yes, please. It is. So let's get right back into our podcast. I know our listeners want a recap of the Masters last week. I watched the Masters pretty closely, more closely than I have in the past few years. Obviously, Tiger was the number one factor, and he had a great first day. I was glad to see him make the cut, but I knew once it was round two was over, even though he made the cut, he, there was not going to be any specific traction for him. But what did you think of his performance? Nah, all, all the hats off to his performance uh, to come back and Heck, even just tee off on, on Thursday was a, a giant victory. Uh, the, the way he performed on, on day one was even more remarkable. Uh, made me sweat for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized, you know what, uh, he's got to do this for four days, not for one. And then I could, uh, you know, take a sip of water and relax and realize that um, it's, it's going to take a, a, a little bit more uh, time and, uh, and exercise to get him back back to to form and honestly Ali I don't know if he's ever going to come back to full form yeah I don't think so I think we've seen him peak and peak again and maybe as a surprise for us that there's another peak in his future but I think you're right I think what we saw is the last stand of Tiger I don't know if he'll do the Masters next year I don't know how much he'll do this year it'll be interesting to see if he takes on the U.S. Open but otherwise it was a great Masters tournament I watched uh, very closely the final round. I was rooting for Rory. He almost came through. He had what an amazing final round he had. You know, Rory's my guy. But still finished minus seven, three strokes behind the eventual winner, Scotty Scheffler. What did you, what did you, what did the books do? Did a lot of, yeah. there a lot of bets? Ali, boy, oh boy, ever since we knew that, uh, you know, Tiger made the announcement that he's going to play, uh, my betting pool, quadrupled in size in 48 hours it was something i really haven't seen and so when you're saying you know we hope to see him in the open and uh you know and beyond and some other majors boy sure i I sure would like to because the the popularity of golf goes you know sky high uh with scheffler winning uh we held a remarkable 45 percent of all bets taken uh obviously you know we want to see who the golfer with the most bets are well it's it's the man of the hour, Tiger. Tiger Woods, we took 41% of all tickets on Tiger Woods. It was uh, uh, Tiger or bust, basically. And uh, obviously, we had you know some propositions that we talked about. Uh, first round strokes prop of 74 and a half, we won that. Uh, and then obviously, uh, we, we offered a top 10 and a top 20 finish for Woods. And uh, you know all, all of those decisions went in the book's favor this time, Allie. I'm curious, were, more, were there more bets on him winning the actual uh, Masters or were there more bets that he would miss the cut? Oh, no, no. As a matter of fact, uh, there were a ton more bets on him winning the entire Masters. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, because yep. I have a few friends who are Tiger fans, but they were adamant oh, he's not making the cut. He's not making the cut. And they bet big money he wouldn't make the cut. And he was Tiger Woods and he made the cut. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Right. Masters. I mean, it was a windy second second day. You saw some favorites like Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kopka, Bryson DeChambeau missed the cut. So like you said, props to Tiger. He really put on a good show. 
and it's just always fun to see him compete. He's he really is the greatest of all time. And yes. we're really fortunate every time we get a chance to watch him, whether you bet on him or not. So I really enjoyed seeing him. Uh, but besides Tiger, what was the golfer that got the most action with the bets? Uh, behind him, uh, we well, you mentioned Rory McIlroy. We took some bets on him. Uh, I think if we took a look at the rest of the pool, it was kind of bunched together. And we saw a couple of bets on JT. Uh, Cameron Smith was uh, well-backed as well. He finished second. Uh, and then we had third behind him was uh, Siwoon Kim. Yeah, Siwoon Kim. We had a lot of wagers on him as well. So that, that kind of rounds out the, you know, most of the bets that were in the top five uh, ticket and dollar account. Interesting. Right. Well, it was a good Masters. It was competitive to the final day, and I always like seeing that. So we'll see what happens in the U.S. Open coming up in the next few months and some of the other majors. I Like I said, I hope we get to see Tiger. Obviously, it's great for our world in betting because people do want to bet Tiger. He is like the number one household name in the entire country. But now we have coming up another exciting time. We have the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs coming up. We already had the two play-in tournament games last night with the Nets defeating the Cavs, so they move on and get the seventh seed. And the T-Wolves defeating the Clippers, they move on and get the seventh seed in the Western Conference. I was one for one with my bets. I took the Nets minus eight and a half. They only won by seven, so I lost that one. But I did take the T-Wolves minus three, and they covered that against the Clippers. So tonight, I'm taking both underdogs. Last night, I took both favorites. Tonight, I'm taking both underdogs. I like the Spurs to at least cover against the Pelicans. And I like the Hornets to cover at least against the Hawks. What are you looking at, Robert? Yeah, exactly. And, and so we take a look at some of the freshest lines right now. The Hawks are a five and a half point best over Charlotte uh, with a total of 235 and a half uh, in most places. Uh, Pelicans, uh, depend on where you shop, it could be anywhere between five or five and a half, laying those points to the Spurs with a total of 224, way down, uh, super sharps brought that number down from 227 and a half as they're probably thinking uh, they're not going to be able to get that far up uh, in the total points combined in the nightcap. Uh, can't blame you for a minute uh, in grabbing points because, I mean, obviously, uh, since the All-Star break, um, the Pelicans, uh, you know, when their lineup um, of, um, what's it, McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, um, Valenciunas, when, when they're all on the floor, boy, they're really, really good. And, and that group is like a total rebounding machine, uh, you know, but uh, hamstring injuries to Ingram, forcing right. him to miss some time, uh, you know, so it is a dynamic starting group on the floor, but they're, they're allowing like almost 117 points per game when that group is on the floor. Right. So that's where I, I like your play in grabbing the points there with, with the Spurs. Uh, I, I think that uh, Murray, uh, for sure, he could take advantage of, of some of the half-court settings uh, that the Pelicans can put out, uh, and, and that's probably where they're going to you know, get their easiest points of the night. So at, at the end of the day, Allie, I think rebounding is going to decide this battle. Uh, you know, New Orleans, they like to dominate that offensive glass, uh, and, and you know, San Antonio has had issues with its defensive rebounding all season long. They finished like 24th in defensive rebounding. So I, I still think that they all have the ability to cover the number. So, you know, grabbing that five and a half, uh, can't blame you for a moment there, Allie. No, and I think the coaching has a lot to do with it too. I'm obviously going to take the points with knowing Popovich is coaching the Spurs, even though the Spurs, I will, I will admit, I haven't been totally 100% focused on the NBA regular season. I usually don't get involved with it until later in the season, closer to playoff times, just because I'm not a huge fan of the regular season. But I honestly couldn't name one player on the Spurs roster until I started doing my homework last week. <laughs> yes, yes. So for, so for the fact that it took me, you know, I had to do my research. They were obviously some names I noticed from the college days. But I don't know. I, I will always go with the head coach when it comes to the NBA playoffs. And I think Greg Popovich, while the Spurs will fall short, he'll at least coach them in time to get them within the five and a half number. So, and like you said, the Pelicans have such 
an injury ridden team that any one of their players can go down at any moment. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, hope is never a really good business plan, but uh, Ingram definitely looks wonky. Uh, and if he doesn't play, you know, 40 minutes, I think you're locked in at five and a half points. Yeah. And the Hornets too. I know um, they'll be missing Gordon Hayward for the matchup, but they just have a young, exciting team, obviously behind LaMelo ball, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier. They're really a good team offensively. They can score. They can go toe-to-toe with Atlanta's Trey Young and some of their other shooters. So, I mean, the Hawks haven't been the Hawks of, that we saw last season when they took the Bucks, when they actually beat the Bucks in game one of their uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So I think Charlotte's an up-and-coming team. I think Atlanta's more I'm going to fade against them. So I'm riding the Hornets. I'll take the points. I don't know if they actually win. I think they do, but I'm not confident enough to bet it. But I'm definitely taking the points in that one. No, I, I, and I like the dog here even more with, with you, Allie. I, I don't understand. You look, Atlanta still, I mean, they have identical records, right? They're, they're basically right. heads up. They're 43 and 39. Uh, I just don't know how Atlanta got there. I almost think that they're the straw man here because they're, it's like, the last 10 games, their transition defense is like the worst. They're the worst. They gave up all these points on transition, uh, and they're allowing a ton more points than the rest of the field during that, during that segment of play. So, you know, if this is a battle of the worst transition defense in the NBA against the best transition offense, which, by the way, Charlotte's right up there, mm-hmm. um, I think Charlotte's going to win a huge part of that battle. So, you know, definitely – you know, leaning towards the underdog here, um, that, that's definitely smart money. I think Charlotte's advantage in tra- transition is going to be extremely lopsided. You'll see that tonight. Um, you know, and, you know, they have uh, other areas of the floor where they could take advantage of Atlanta's defensive shortcomings. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you right here. I power rate these teams as nearly identical, uh, and that's not what the point spread number is saying. Yeah, and before we get into, I want to cover, that's the majority of our episode is covering our first round series matchups. But what do you think of the play-in tournament? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Are you on the fence? Not sure? No, I, I think it's good. Uh, yeah. it, it allows for uh, a little bit more parity. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if <laughs> some of the teams are, you know, coasting into it, knowing that they're going to be able to go into a play-in uh, you know, a la, you know, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and, and then just go ahead and, and sweep on in. But, you know, and that's something we'll take, you know, we'll definitely touch on when we take a look at uh, the Boston and Brooklyn matchup. I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to simply just turn it on. Uh, sure, it didn't look that way. I mean, look, I'm not going to turn this even for 30 seconds into a, a Lakers rant. Uh, but, you know, there, if you're either going to perform, you have to show your body of work during the regular season or not. So, you know, playing, you know, did they maybe borrow from Major League Baseball? I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's going to work out, you know, in the long run and, and it'll probably make for a better product in the NBA. Yeah. So I like it, actually. I do. I think it does uh, motivate teams to really not tank that are looking to get to the playoffs. Obviously, you have a team like the Lakers that were just a dumpster fire this year and nothing was going to prevent them from making the playoffs. Well, nothing was going to aid them in making the playoffs. But I, I don't like 10 teams. I don't like where it's more than half of your conference is playoff eligible. I think if I would change it, I'd still make it top eight. And then your seeds from five, six, seven, eight do the play in tournament and your top four are safe. I don't know, something like that. But I think it's, I still think it's too many teams. Like, so that's where I say I'm on the fence. I like the idea of the play in tournament. I do think it motivates teams, it stops them from tanking. But just 10 teams, that's a lot of teams. That's it's a lot of teams. It is, Ali. I mean, I, I guess, much like anything, unfortunately, we'll just have to follow the money here. <laughs> the TV well, networks sure, sure like an awful lot more games than, uh, than anyone else does. And, well, absolutely. Know. I mean, what else, is people, what else are people going to in, tune into tonight? Like, are they going to watch just a regular MLB season game or are they going to watch the Spurs take on the Pelicans, which if the Spurs were to take on the Pelicans any primetime night in any day of the regular season, I would love to know the ratings of that because <laughs> I don't think anyone outside of San Antonio or New Orleans is watching that matchup. 
I'll say, I'll even say uh, more people will be watching uh, Monterrey and Guadalajara in, in uh, Liga IMX say, than uh, some <laughs> like baseball games. I would put my money on that one too. <laughs> but yeah, let's go to the first round matchups and let's start with the Eastern Conference and we'll go right through, through to Brooklyn versus Boston because Brooklyn just played last night. This is one of the matchups where, like you were saying, a team like Brooklyn as a seventh seed is scary. And I know the Celtics are probably the hottest team in the NBA since early January. Jason Tatum's turning in MVP type year. You got Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. But to, ha- to be a number two seed, and now you have to take on the Nets in the first round with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And the Nets are better than their record. I mean, for our listeners, they probably know the controversy with Kyrie. And he didn't play most of the season because of the New York City vaccine mandate and he wouldn't get vaccinated he just started playing home games recently but the nets are so much better than the seventh seed and for boston to have to face them in the first round ah that's a tough one what do you think oh it's a very tough one uh, matter of fact uh, i mean again take just take a look and see on um on sunday you got four games um, every one of them is on TNT except Brooklyn, Boston. They get yep. the prime time ABC 12:30 p.m. Pacific spot, and that's all for the right reasons. It, it's the most intriguing matchup of them all by far. Eh, you know, too bad. Some might say, you know, that should have been the Eastern Conference Final. Um, I'm sure um, um, Mark Thomas might have a, a word to say about that. <laughs> but as as it is, you know, it, it, it's going to probably be. Uh, without a doubt, the most exciting of, of the entire series. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's the way it, it's the way it is shoveled out. Um, it, it doesn't change my opinion on, you know, how I break down the series. Uh, and if we just take a look very quickly, not only do we already have the odds up for Sunday, uh, which uh, has the Celtics as a four-point favorite, the total 224 points, uh, but our series price is up as well. And this is where you're going to find a, a lot of weird numbers. So I saw some early numbers that had uh, Brooklyn as the favorite in the series, a seven seed favorite in the series, which I said, yeah, that's going to change. And uh, it did. It got flipped within hours. And so now uh, the Celtics are uh, $1.45. So you're looking at a wager 145 to win 100, get paid 245 on the series price, the best of seven. And if you like the Nets, uh, it's plus one and a quarter. So you wager a hundred wins you one twenty five, pays you two twenty five. No, that's that's pretty much where it's at right now, and I believe that's going to be settled, uh, you know, until we see the first tip off for sure. Yeah, and you know what? Let's just get into this right now. I know we have it listed later on in our agenda to talk about, but when it comes to the NBA playoffs, I almost always bet the series over individual games. I think Siri, I think, I think individual games can be toss-ups most of the time. I think you could have a team get hot, then get cold. So I'm a big series better. So, you know, as our GM, you want to let the listeners know maybe what are the pros and cons to betting the series as opposed to individual games? Uh, no, no doubt. This is great. And there's actually a really wild variant in, in, in one of the games. I'll just point that out. So if you're looking, obviously we, we know when we talk, each and every uh, podcast about, you know, betting a single game and the benefits to that. And, you know, you're, you know what you're doing. It's a a micro uh, super sharp focus on what's going to happen in that one event, side total or money line. And uh, you're, you're playing into that and you're, you're focusing on just that one game, regardless of what's happening in the series. However, in the series, especially in a best of seven, you're just going to find the, the, for the for the really the larger part the favorite is going to win that opening round matchup and and right so if you're looking at a dog and you find a really live dog um you know the the series betters those are the ones that are striking for arbitrage uh what are we looking at so what does that mean Uh, i'll take an example here you know most of them play into a pool if they have a futures interest right so let's just say uh, you're betting the 76ers and you got a live ticket on, on them at like 40 to one at the start of the season. And now you're starting to say to yourself, well, okay, they're into the first round. They won that they're into the second round. They won that. Now you're into the Eastern conference final. Uh, and you're seeing them as the favorite once again, and you're offered a series price on uh, the, uh, the B side of that 
at let's just say uh, plus 150. So now you can lock in a uh, you know pretty much a guaranteed return, even though you're not even to the NBA Finals yet, because you could bet that underdog at plus 150. Uh, if your Sixers ticket dies, well at least you paid for uh, for that futures bet, you know, plus some a little bit of profit. And then if it loses, well you you only cut your uh, your total return, uh, hopefully by smaller percentage points in half, <laughs> hopefully, you know, something in a quarter. And we could talk about the odds and, and how to, you know, create the best margins for you when you bet into futures. This is kind of like a one-on-one on that, because as you start to get the series play, this is where you start to find a hedging opportunity. So that's the single versus uh, betting a series alley. Now here's, a, here's another good one. If you like the dog in a series, like for example, like the Raptors, you know, we're talking about that series. So the Raptors are plus 160, you know, and, and that's their their money line odds uh, to win game number one. A flip side is uh, minus 185 in most places if you want the Sixers to just win the game outright. However, so if you like the Raptors at plus 160, if you look at the series price, they're also like around 160, 165. So you could bet them in game number one on the money line. Right. If you, if you like them to win the game, you're done. And they win, obviously you're you're done. You you've profited on the entire series and then you can you can pass or you can continue to handicap. Now, if they lose, well, then you've got a big fat bloated price for the series on Toronto. And if you like them to win that series, well, then you could play them there at, you know, maybe three to one or maybe uh, you know, plus two eighty, for example, you know, unless something really significant happens out, like you know, a key injury somewhere on Toronto's roster. So that's kind of, you know, a, a rough general assessment on how you should take a look at and, and betting series prices versus single game betting. Uh, definitely one, you know, to, to look at more of a, a higher margin return. Uh, and if you have an idea in general that they could probably outlast another team in the series, you know, far better to play them there than, than in the single game. Yeah, and you teased which Upset I like the most. So we'll get right to that matchup. Oh, nice, nice. I do like the Raptors over the 76ers. And you bring up a good point about strategy because right now seeing them at plus 160 for the series, I'm already going to grab that because I do think they could win game one. And if they do win game one, I think I lose value because that 160 isn't going to be there. It probably will drop, what, to 130, 120, well, maybe even. Nailed it. You may, you may even find it, uh, you know, closer to, you know, plus a nickel. Yeah, and let, let's look at the matchup. I mean, Toronto's really come on strong the past few weeks. We saw them go from potentially not even making the playoffs to just be a potential play-in tournament team to going all the way to the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. And that's a hard seed to, to find because for me personally, I think the Eastern Conference has more depth than the Western Conference in terms of quality teams. And I've always been a big fan of Toronto for just, I don't know, just for some reason – I really like the coaching staff. I'm a big fan of Fred Van Vliet. Uh, shout out to his Wichita State days. I really like watching Pascal Siakam play. So I really like Toronto. I think they have better chemistry. And the 76ers are the 76ers. I feel like that for the past few years, that they're just a team where you throw a bunch of good players together and they don't know how to play with each other. And when it comes to the postseason, we've seen the past few years, they just end up collapsing. What's your take? No, no doubt, Ali. I, I don't think that, I mean, look, you, we could look at the, the trends and we could look at how they're doing against the spread. Honestly, with the, the opening line being what it is of, uh, you know, the Sixers now four and a half, a total uh, 216 and a half. Uh, there's a 217 out there. I, I, I think with a total that high, the point spread's definitely inflated. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the plus four and a half, that's, that's definitely not even you know, a, a point of discussion, in my opinion, I think it's, it's definitely worthy of, of a point spread play just because of how well they've matched, matched up. And they've just been red hot. They've just been really, really super red hot in the last 10 games. So uh, you, you say what you will about, uh, you know, players that are unvaccinated, uh, you know, which obviously, you know, with, with the rules in Ontario being what they are, is only going to hurt uh, Philadelphia as, as, as they have to play their, you know, their games in Toronto. So, you know, sure. Are, are the Sixers roster, you know, superior? I don't, I don't even know if they're forget about vastly superior. I, I had, a, I had someone tell me, well, the, 
Sixers lineup is vastly superior to Toronto's. I mean, you know, look, uh, you, you can say what you want. You can see, you know, Joel Embiid's is, you know, as an MVP candidate as, as anybody, uh, but it's just one player. And I, I just think Toronto uh, as a dog right now is, is very, very live, probably uh, more live than in any of, of the opening round games here, Ali. Yeah. And just to capitalize on what you said, to, uh, Toronto is just a team that they just mesh well together. And with Philadelphia, you see, you have the coach in Doc Rivers who we've seen, you know, back to his Clipper days, even with his Celtics days, he should have had more championships with that team. He, his teams just seem to collapse when it comes to the postseason, and probably more so than anyone, James Harden as well. I mean, how many rock of those Rockets teams was he on that people picked to win it all, and they couldn't even make the finals with him? So no, no, they couldn't, right? Yeah, so for me, this is a team of choke artists when it comes to the postseason. So I'm all over for Toronto. That's it. for our listeners, you know, like Robert said, if there's an underdog to jump on for the series where you're probably going to get your best value now, it's the Raptors. And I'm taking them tonight at 160 ahead of this weekend. I think I think this isn't even a close series, to be honest. I think it maybe goes five games, six games. I just don't think Philadelphia could come together. And you have just too many disruptors on the team, internal disruptors, not external disruptors. I don't think Harden and Embiid mesh well. I don't think that Harden does good when it comes to passing the ball around. I think he's too much of a ball hog. And I just love Toronto's play. So we'll see going later on. But let's move on to the next matchup uh, that I'm sure our CEO is listening now and we will try not to be biased toward him, <laughs> but Milwaukee, Chicago, I will side with Milwaukee because I just think Chicago's has too many injuries to overcome. You know, they started the season hot as could be, but they lost key players throughout the year to injuries. And I just think they're too banged up. And on the other side, you have Giannis who could potentially win another MVP award this year. Milwaukee's hungry. They want to repeat their championship. I don't even think this series is close. I think it's either a Milwaukee sweep or Milwaukee in five. What's your take? Yeah, great. And so if you just look at game one, what's the indication of, of what direction these two teams are? And yeah, heck, go ahead. You know, use, use my lines. Use anyone's lines as, as a barometer for, you know, where you think this series is going to go and, and just play off of that. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks a 10-point favorite, wow. total 228 and a half. Uh, hosting the Chicago Bulls. Boy, did Milwaukee really take advantage of their uh, home court, uh, you know, last year. And, and, and it's only going to get better because, uh, you know, with the teams that are at, going to be at home court, you're going to see, I think, a, a far more uh, of an organic reaction to, to the performance of the home team than ever before, especially, I'll touch on the ones and two seeds later, but I just think that you know, the home court's going to be a bigger factor this year than in the previous two combined. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the bubble season, the bubble playoff season was the, the ultimate anomaly, you know, but here we are, you know, in, in regular play. And I just don't think, I don't know, I, I really don't think that the Bulls are going to even win one game in this series, of, you know, the six versus the three. I have the Bucks as a minus 1600 favorite um, to win the best of seven series. So, you're wagering $1,600 to win 100, um, you know, get paid 1,700 on the, on the flip side, uh, 10 to one, 10 to one on the bulls to win this entire series. Wow. Um, if you're interested in backing that. So if, if you'd like to, you know, look at it from another perspective, you could even bet um, Milwaukee in a sweep. Uh, and I see some places that are offering it even money. So, you know, that's, that's obviously another angle. If you like them to sweep, well, you got an even money bet right there for that to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's Bucks all the way. I think that's if, – if you were to give me any series between – well, we don't know who Miami's facing yet. But right now, the all the established series, Milwaukee is the one that, for me, is the hands-down favorite to win. Like It's not even worth a second look. There's no way the Bucks, like you said. if It's either a sweep or it's a gentleman's sweep, and that's the end of the bowl season. So moving on, we'll go to the Western Conference – because like I said, we still don't know who Miami will play this this uh, upcoming series. Uh, whoever they do play, though, I think they will 
win, whether it be the Cavs, whether it be the Hornets, whether it be the Hawks. But let's take a look at some of these Western Conference matchups. And we'll start with the one I'm most excited for, Denver versus Golden State. I love the Joker. I'm a big Nikola Jogic fan. But I just I think Denver doesn't have enough depth. I think they're really missing Jamal Murray still. And the Warriors are back. I mean, with between Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green, you have that big three back together again. Yes, Kevin Durant is no longer with the Warriors in the postseason, but for me, this is an exciting matchup. But uh, I think Golden State just has too much for Denver. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do think the same. Uh, in, in Game One, even with a questionable uh, Steph Curry who's got a, a foot injury, um, and you know even looking at him potentially being out and those 25 points and, uh, and, and five and six being out for the game, there's still a, a five point favorite uh, total 223 in game one. And that's with him not playing it. Right. So we, we've baked that in with Curry, not playing in this game. And there's still a five point favorite at home uh, hosting the Denver Nuggets who finished the season at 48 and 34, the series price, well, Warriors are going to be the favorite here. Um, I've got them up as high as minus 230, uh, wagering 230 to win 100, get paid 330 to win the best of seven series. And you're looking at two to one on your return if you think that the Nuggets will win this series. I mean, yeah, they, you know, we're talking about, you know, MVPs of the league. They definitely have one in um, Nikola Djokic over at Denver. So he's, he's got an incredible, incredible game. He just needs a little bit more support and, you know, pretty much I think that's what it's going to be. If, if they just find a way to just say, hey, you know what, Joke just going to beat us. Go ahead, take 50 shots. What do we care? Uh, you know, we'll just beat you by 20 anyway, if that's the strategy that you want to impose on us. Yeah, well, there, I don't think there's much else to say about that series. I think that, like you said, it's Jokic or bus, and I just don't think that they match up well with Golden State. Golden State's just going to shoot threes between Curry and Thompson from the outside. And they really just have a complete team beyond Draymond Green, Curry, and Thompson. You still have Kevon Looney, and let's not forget Andrew Wiggins has been a big help to them. So I think it's the Warriors in that series. I think it goes a few games. I think we could see a Warriors in six. I don't think seven. But I think Denver will get a win or two out of that series. If they had Jamal Murray, I think we, it would be a whole nother story. I would even probably give the edge to Denver. But he's unfortunately hasn't played in a year. I don't know if he'll be back for the series. If he is, I don't know what type of shape he'll be in. But we'll move on to the second, my second favorite matchup for the Western Conference first round. And that's the Jazz and the Mavericks. And this is interesting because when I was writing my picks and predictions article yesterday, I'll say it right up front. I took the Jazz without even looking at the at the series pricing because I always like making my picks and then I like seeing what Vegas things first. So I picked the Jazz to beat the Mavericks. And then when I looked at what the series is, I was surprised how big of favorites the Jazz are, actually, even though I picked them. What do you think about that, Robert? Nah, yeah, it's so such a shame. I mean, we're just literally talking days ago. I mean, look at Doncic. He's he's out. He's out. He's out indefinitely. And he's he, when you, you injure a calf and, and the, the amount of, of pressure that an NBA player needs to right. rely on, on, on their legs is, is going to be so, so huge. You can't, you simply can't replace a point guard that averages close to a triple double. It's not going to happen. And if he was in, Dallas at home, without a doubt, they're a favorite, you know, as it is right now, he's out indefinitely, probably out for this entire series and, and probably for the playoffs. If, if the Dallas went that far, uh, Utah jazz, a four and a half point favorite on the road, total two fourteen and a half. and a half. Obviously that number, the totals, you know, uh, seriously depressed because of lack of Doncic and uh, in the series. Well, you know, the jazz are priced appropriately now knowing that Doncic is going to be out. Uh, I, I had this literally as a total coin flip, you know, previous to the injury to, um, to the Mavericks point guard. But I just think right now, looking at the Jazz as a $3 favorite, uh, it's, it's priced appropriately. It's, it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I definitely see the Jazz win, winning it now with, with, you know, with, with everything being played out the way it is, Allie. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think I wrote in my article, it's interesting because these are two teams where on the Jazz's end, we've seen for the past few years, so many years where they're just a beast in the regular season. They haven't had the same regular season success as the past few years, but I think they were the one seed last year and they were out early. Same thing in the years past, you know, and they have the talent between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley, but it's just, they're a team that just disappoints what's it comes to the postseason. And you could say the same for Dallas. I mean, I'm a big Luca fan and year after year, I see him get into the postseason. And like we saw last year with the Clippers, they just choke and blow it. And it's really not Luca. Luca's the one carrying the team. It just seems like he doesn't have a cast around them that can step up and he doesn't have a legit number two. They tried that with Christoph Porzingis. It wasn't a good fit there. I still don't think they have a legit number two, even when Tim Hardaway Jr. was healthy. I don't think he's a legit number two. So it's a shame that Dallas doesn't have more talent for Luca, but I think Utah does get the benefit and does capitalize on Luca being injured and moves on. I don't know what they do in the second round. Depends on their matchup, but it'll be nice to see Mitchell and Gobert move on. And yeah, I that I'm right with you. I think that if Luca's healthy, it's a totally different story. But I think the series pricing obviously reflects that. And I'm going 100% Utah. I think it's maybe if if Luca doesn't play one game, it's a sweep. Maybe a gentleman sweep, but I think it's one sweep. I think it's a sweep. What about you? Yeah, no, exactly. And then you know, I had you know, let's just so if I just do like a market power ranking for the NBA using two points for home court, uh, you know, just based on current lines, you know, Phoenix, uh, number one with an 86, Golden State an 85. Uh, Utah in 83 and Dallas was in 83 with Luka Doncic. Mm. So without him, they're 79. He's worth four points for me. And so that's just basically how it breaks down. Um, they're just really going to be outmatched in this. So I, uh, yeah, one game, I could see them winning one game in the series, but that's about it. Yeah, I agree with you. And we'll move on because we don't know who Phoenix is playing yet, but they're another team whether or not, who, it depends whoever they play, whether it be the Clippers, the Spurs, or the Pelicans. I think that's a sweep. I don't even think it's close. But we'll move on to, I think, for me, probably the, the series I'm least thrilled to watch. Not because I just like the teams. I just don't have as much of an interest. But Memphis and Minnesota. I really like Memphis, actually, I do, because of John Morant. And they have a lot of young guys, you know, Jaron Jackson, some other guys, uh, as of note. But I, I don't even think this series is that close between between Minnesota and Memphis. I think Minnesota struggles on defense, even with Patrick Beverly in the lineup. What do you see? Yeah, I, I got uh, Memphis in game one hosting Minnesota as a seven-point favorite. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's already significantly higher than I expected it to be, but that's where the market brought it with a, a super high total of two hundred. 35 and a half points uh grizzlies you know opened as a 320 favorite they're up to 380 already and it's just i they just were going to run into a buzzsaw uh don't get cute with the one and two seeds uh listeners they're, they're looking to get these series over with as as fast as humanly possible rest up and, and get ready for the next round i, I just think that you know, again, similarly, as I mentioned before, you know, with, with the Milwaukee uh, breakdown, uh, home court, I just think is going to be a far larger factor after the bubble series the past few years. So I see Memphis as uh, really being able to pick apart, you know, Minnesota and, and, you know, where they got to. Sure, you know, Minnesota definitely rounded well into form, uh, but, but this is not going to be uh, uh, anything resembling, you know, what, they, what they've been playing in the last uh, six to eight games. Uh, Memphis is just so much superior here. Yeah. And in fact, to our listeners too, if you want a piece of advice, if you do really like Memphis or if you like Phoenix with whoever their opponent is and you want to bet them for the, for the series, but the price is too high, you know, my, you know, three to one, four to one, whatever it is, you know, wait and see for that first game. Cause you see sometimes you do see from year to year, these scrappy seven, eight seeds, they come out and they win that first game of the series and it will affect the pricing. Am I right? Or am I wrong, Robert? hundred percent. Right. Absolutely. And so, 
obviously you're 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 hoping for a boat to arrive. So if you see a price that's super high, uh, you're hoping for that Minnesota Timberwolves upset in game one. And, you know, that could lower your price significantly. You know, the Grizzlies would then probably be a, a 260, 275 favorite. So better. Yeah, it's a little bit better still, you know, a, a pretty significant chunk. Uh, you know, you probably want to look at, you know, and in any case, you probably want to look at them winning in six games, uh, you know, and, and base it off of that if you find um, a spread that you could bet into into the series price, definitely take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, I am totally in agreement. So let's just do a recap uh, for upsets in the first round based on series pricing. We already know I like Toronto and I do like Brooklyn, actually. I don't think I gave my pick for that earlier, but I do like Brooklyn to beat Boston. I think this, like you said, is the most exciting matchup of any of them. I think it can it has it has the ability to go the distance seven games. But I just think Brooklyn's coming around hot, even though the Celtics have such great chemistry between their big three. I'm going to go Brooklyn. What are you taking? Oh, <laughs> I was glad you asked. <laughs> I am. I am in. How about this? Me being born in Brooklyn. Uh, don't care. Boston. Uh, not only do I have Boston winning the series and I'm not changing my mind. Uh, if I sound like a broken record from last month, uh, sure. it's, it's because you are. Uh, I like Boston to win the championship this year. Interesting. Yes. I am picking Boston, the Celtics to win the championship. I just think that they've got the best roster up and down. Uh, and, and without a doubt, I, I think that they are red, red hot. I love Boston to win the series. I don't think that it's going to be uh, easy in any sense. That's why I, I hinted at, boy, I wish there was, this was the Eastern Conference final, but it's right. not. Um, but I, my, my pick for the NBA championship uh, this year is the Boston Celtics. Interesting. I will say I don't have a pick yet for the championship. I'm still undecided. Once I have the bracket full, when we get the eighth seed, as, as corny as that sounds, I have to wait. Yes, I know. <laughs> then then I'll know who I want. You know, I'll break it down uh, series by series, round by round. But I'm going with Brooklyn. I, I just am. Um, I'm, you know, Brooklyn Nets. They originated being New Jersey Nets. I'm obviously in New Jersey right now. I was born and raised here. So I go back to the Vince Carter, Kmart days. I was a Nets fan growing up. So I'm going to back Brooklyn. I just think that between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, there's so much playoff experience and playoff success between them. Both of those guys have rings that they're going to know how to step it up and beat Boston. Boston's a nice story, how they came around. It just seems like, just seems Boston's another team who every year they just you know, even in the Brad Stevens era, I know he's not coaching in anymore, but they just always seem to fall short when their expectations were high. So I'm going with Boston. I'm going with Toronto. Those are my two upsets. And, you know, that I don't have any upsets in the West. Do you see anything else, Robert? No, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're good there. Uh, you know, if we're taking a look at grabbing points, it's one thing, but uh, first round, especially the higher seeds, uh, they're going to be rolling here. Yeah, totally agree. And before we end for the week, um, I wanted, to, well, two things. Let's talk about futures. First of all, we still have some time left. What are teams with the best value that people should look at between all the playoff teams? You know, there's a few that actually jumped out. And again, we, we talked about, you know, do they have, do they have the series legs? Are, are they capable of running, running the table? Uh, Tough to find value today, but maybe, you know, look, if we're pretty much locked in knowing that the Utah Jazz are going to win this opening round, and, and I'd be super shocked if they didn't, uh, you could find them at 25 to 1 in, in mm. some places, even 28 to 1. So we're worth purchasing a ticket knowing that your, you know, your ticket's going to be uh, you know, completed. I mean, the NBA you know, season and the championship is just right around the corner. So you're not really locking up your money too much. 25 to one gets you into the second round. And then you got to take a look and see basically how you get seated into it. Uh, and that probably is going to be right now the best value. Uh, if you're looking at something in, in double digits, uh, other teams there, you know, they're pretty much at value. So I don't, I don't really see anything that jumps out significantly there, Allie. 
Yeah, no, I was looking at the you know the futures odds this morning of any team that really caught my eye, and I mean I don't see a huge value. You got the Celtics is might have some value, but still I'm looking. What are they at eight to one, nine to one? Like so, so. right? Yeah, there's exactly. So if 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 that's what you like, you know, then I'm not going to go ahead and fault you for taking uh, you know someone other than the favorite, right? You know, so I mean, heck. Uh, we're talking about that. I mean, Brooklyn Nets are 11 to one, right? And, and you like, you like them to win the series. Uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're already very heavy on the Celtics. You know, I've got the Celtics down already, uh, you know, here at seven to one, just because of how many tickets were bet on them in our future books. Yeah. I mean, I could maybe take a run at the Raptors. I, like I said, I really do like the Raptors, but you know, that even if they win, against the Sixers, which I think they will, they'll still have to go up a team like the Bucks or the Celtics. And that's just too much. But I think if I'm going to take a, a gamble with a team with higher odds, I think I'd choose the Raptors, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't see, I'm not impressed. I should say about any of the value I'm getting so far. No, but, yeah. Great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Quickly, Ali on the Raptors. I mean, they're 65 to one. So significantly right. higher than Utah. Uh, but they're in the harder conference, right? So that, that's priced accordingly. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one, but I don't think I'm going to play any futures bets yet. I do have my two series upsets, which I am going to take. But what teams are getting the most play futures-wise right now? Right now, yeah, it, it's it's very balanced. Uh, we have equal bets uh, in uh, ticket count and money count on the Warriors, mm. uh, the Heat, uh, and then the Hornets. Yeah, I know the Hornets. Hornets. Wow. Uh, they, they, <laughs> all those future tickets could die tonight. Uh, you know, uh, we, obviously we picked them to cover, uh, but we didn't talk about the win. So obviously that's something that uh, the backers of those futures bets are going to be watching tonight's game very closely. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure the, that'll be good for you with the books if the Hornets do go down and you could collect early. <laughs> yes. On those. But yeah, before we wrap up. Uh, you know, since I live in LA now, I got to talk about it. The Lakers, what went wrong with the Lakers this season from your point of view, Robert? Oh, God. All right, fine. <laughs> Allie, <laughs> Allie, look, the Lakers paid for past performance. Yeah. 32-year-old guard, you know, who averaged a triple-double for the season in Washington where he was the star, right? He, last year, he, he shot 67% from the free throw line, so he's not even getting points there. Um, and when Davis, James, and Westbrook played together, which was 21 games, by the way, uh, they went 11 and 10. Yeah. So nothing, nothing gelled, nothing worked. And, uh, you know, that's it. You know, obviously, they put in max effort. You, you don't suit up and, 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 you know, put in the practice time to go in and just half-ass it. So, you know, they, just, they were just a 500 team when all of them were together. I don't know what's to come, you know, this year. There's... So many, co- you know, the question is going to be who's going to be the head coach. Does it matter? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, is, are those three players even going to be together? I, I you know, all, all great questions. Allie. I mean, do you see uh, Davis, Westbrook and James playing together next year? No. And in fact, when the Russell Westbrook trade happened, I had so many texts from people saying, oh, the Lakers are going to be good. And this, and that, you know, we have championship <laughs> again, being in LA. And I'm like, guys, like, weren't you just ripping Westbrook like two days ago? (laughs) Like, you know, I hate to say it, but the guy's a cancer with any team he comes to. And I used to actually be a big Westbrook fan back with these UCLA days and everything. But I just think he's been getting stat greedy over the years. And I don't think he works well with anyone. And I've never been a big LeBron James fan. And I don't think I knew from the beginning that the James Westbrook chemistry wasn't going to be there. But more so, I was right with you. I said, I'm like, this is an aging team with, you know, a bunch of injury-prone guys. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy for more than a week. Then you have, you know, wash-ups like Carmelo Anthony on the team and Dwight Howard. I'm like, I don't – maybe championship team 10 years ago. Right. But I think it was just a roster assembled, whether you want to blame Mitch Kupchak or as I say, you know, LeBron, any team LeBron's on, LeBron's the chief GM and the coach at the same time. And he's a terrible GM, by the way. But I, I just think that this team was built to fail. 
And unfortunately, Frank Vogel, who I like as a head coach, had to take the fall, even though I think I read something. He had a teeter with, what, 21 different rosters during the season or some ridiculous stat like that. But, you know, someone had to get the blame. Obviously, it wasn't going to be Cupcheck. No one's ever going to blame LeBron. He's never going to blame himself either. You could try to blame Westbrook as much as you want. No one's going to blame Westbrook. But unfortunately, Vogel did take the axe. And I don't know, you know, you, you already hear whispers that if Sixers fail, which I think they will in the first round, Doc Rivers might finally be coming to L.A. But like you said, who cares about the head coach? Who cares? It's who cares LeBron. It, 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 no one's coaching LeBron. I think I commented on one of my friends posts the other day and they were at, they were talking about Lakers head coaching. I'm like, dude, it's LeBron. Why don't he just become a player coach? Like that's we all know that's what he does anyway. How, he's probably set the record in getting coaches fired. So I don't know who who does care. I don't know how this roster gets assembled. I mean, is there really a team that's going to take on Westbrook? You know, he, he wasn't successful running the thunder by himself. He messed up Houston with Harden. He couldn't get Washington, you know, anywhere significantly into the playoffs last year. Like does, does any team take a chance on Westbrook and that ridiculous salary? What do you think? No, 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 there's, there's no way. Westbrook has 47 million reasons to play 82 games in LA next year. So he's, he's going to take that option. That's guaranteed. I'll just say this until all three of them are gone. Lakers aren't winning a championship. There's no, No, I I totally agree. And I think the only value you're going to get is if you trade Anthony Davis, I think he's the only, you know, obviously no one's trading LeBron. And they're not going to trade Westbrook unless miraculously they do find a trade partner, but what value are you really going to get for him? you know, they talked about around the trade deadline, trading him for John wall, who's another, you know, injury prone, washed up guy. I don't even know when the last time John wall played was, but I think if if anyone gets traded, it's going to be Anthony Davis, but I think the return is going to be minimum because, you know, this guy just can't stay healthy. And when you build your team around a guy that can't stay healthy, you know, you saw his days with the Pelicans. It's just, it's, it's, you're set up to fail. So I don't know what the odds are for a head coach. Maybe it's Doc Rivers, probably Doc Rivers. I don't really see LeBron teaming up with anyone that is younger than him or that is like an up and coming talent. Definitely no college coach. So like you said, I don't, I don't really care. (laughs) I think the Lakers are still going to be a dumpster fire next year. And I actually think we're that they're the reason why we watch the NBA offseason just turmoil. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? But unfortunately, another hour has passed and we could still be talking for the next hour. Yes, we can. <laughs> without, without any interruption, but we will go for the week. And I hope everyone enjoys the NBA playoffs beginning this weekend. Obviously, I think everyone is going to be watching that Brooklyn-Boston matchup. I'm very excited for it. I'm also excited for some of the other series. You know, you have your Denver Nuggets and your Warriors, Raptors, obviously, and the Sixers. But this is a good time of year to start watching the NBA if you haven't paid attention in the regular season. And we also have the NHL playoffs coming up. But uh, next week, we will take more of a dive, see how the series are doing give you more of our game to game predictions and any last words, Robert, stay sharp, everybody. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining and we will see you next week. Take care.